0: If you're putting up an online store, an e commerce store, you're selling coaching, your first work is to figure out what are your customers need that they're not getting somewhere else? Can you find a gap? And it's usually an emotional need. Sometimes it's unspoken. Sometimes I don't even really know it's there. But if you dig deep enough, and you start talking about that unfilled need in your first landing page, because that's what they're going to see. That's where you start to really become successful and break away from the pack.
1: This is Super Fast Business with James Shranko, James helping you build your business super fast. 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 James Shranko here. Welcome back to superfastbusiness.com. This is episode 780, which is actually part three of a three-part series. It's called The Unicorn Method for Running an Eight-Figure Business. Even if you don't plan to have an eight-figure business, there can be great lessons learned that eight-figure businesses have figured out And I brought along my special guest again for this series, Corey Bessaraba from FunnelDojo.com. Welcome back. Hi, James. Glad to be back. So we're getting great feedback on this series. Again, comments like, I love these three-part series really enjoying learning about what I can change in my business, how I can scale and get growth. So that's really encouraging to hear. So thank you for the comments. Also, let's just do a quick recap of part one and part two. If you haven't started at the beginning of this series, you should go back to episode 778. In part one, we talked about how the big companies gather data, that without the data, you won't be in a position to scale properly or quickly or safely even. And then in part two, we talked about, okay, so you've got this data, what do you actually do with it? we talked about the three main areas that you will typically find broken in the business or you've been flying blind with. And so once you get that, you might realize that you're not making enough money per customer. You might realize that you're not getting the traffic that comes to your business converting into a customer, or you might just not be getting the right traffic in the first place. So I think they were the three areas that we talked about in the last episode, And I think in this episode, Corey, you foreshadowed that we will be talking about putting it all together and just taking things to the next level. So I want you to now finesse us through this episode. What are we learning from eight-figure businesses that we can apply to our business, assuming that by this stage, we've gone and got some measurements. We've identified the point that's weak in our business that if we fix, is going to give us a massive ability to grow. So let's wrap this all up in episode three, the final episode of this particular series. Take it away.
0: The final chapter. Yeah. Well, I'm going to set it in a context that will apply to most of your listeners. And it's also the situation that I come into the most often. If someone wants to run traffic or they want to scale, the first thing we're going to do is look at their funnel. And funnel is a funny word. It's become the name we give to our process for turning strangers into buyers right? in any business, whether it's e-commerce or high ticket coaching. It's the conversation you're going to have that persuades them to give you their money and trust you. And there's a lot of great advice out there on how to build funnels from a lot of people. And I tried to distill it down to what makes an exceptional funnel? What makes a funnel that will actually work if you start throwing $100,000 a month in paid traffic at that funnel, right? What does it have to do to be that level? And the thing I've come up with is that because customers have so many choices in the world right now, we have instant access to a million courses, all the products we could want, we're spoiled for choice. So the one thing that your funnel has to do is make someone understand, and this is a distinction, we talk about USP, what's unique about your business, but the deeper question they're asking themselves is why will it work this time? So if I'm someone who has tried to change my life for a long time, and if you're doing coaching or you're trying to sell a, um, it doesn't really matter if you're selling a vacuum cleaner on the internet, right? The question we're trying to figure out is why are you going to help me be successful because I'm tired of failing? This is most evident in something like a weight loss or you'll want to get fit or you've been trying to change your life for a long time and you've tried all this stuff and it hasn't worked. We're very fragile creatures. We don't want to be beaten down. So if you design your funnel around this, the answer to this question, why will it work for you This time, you're going to go a long ways to improving your conversions. And the other framework I find useful is to realize that everyone is on a journey, not to get too esoteric, but even if I'm just going to buy an ebook on how to run Google ads, I'm on a journey from someone who doesn't know how to do Google ads to someone, I want to become someone who knows how to do Google ads. So I'm here and I want to be there. It's the classic coaching, how to get someone from A to B and there's a gap. If you look at that as your customer journey, your funnel is the mechanism. It's the thing they're pinning all their hopes on. I hope that if I enter this funnel and I engage with your business, it's going to work. And it's useful to think about that as a hero's journey. You know, Joseph Campbell popularized this concept of the hero's journey, and you see it in movies. And if you put your customer as the hero of that journey, and you position yourself as the guide, which this concept is really well documented in a book called Story Brand. Highly recommend everyone read Story Brand. But essentially, treat them and give them what they need to take the next step on their journey. So you have to understand what is their journey. So when we start looking at any business, we go, well, do you understand where your customer's at now? Let's document their current pain. How are they experiencing their world? What are they really dealing with that you can help? And then let's document their future, right? What's their destination look like? And then along the way, what are the steps that they need to take that you can really help with? And once you have that diagram, that customer journey mapped out with some research and some information, then you use that to look at your funnel and go, okay, where is my funnel falling short? You know, if you look at your landing page, is my landing page making it really clear, hey, this is the next step and this is going to work and here's why you can believe me or are we leaving questions unanswered? So that's kind of the general framework is looking at your funnel. Is it engineered from start to finish to give that person confidence they can get where they want to go? It's interesting if, if we take like a real world example that we're probably all familiar with, it would be going on a
1: journey, a family trip, an outing in the vehicle and you notice that the gas light's low on your dashboard. And then you're thinking of, um, you know, you need to refuel. You've got a pain. You realize to continue the journey, you need to refuel. So then you see a couple of service stations on the side of the road coming up. One of them is a brand you've never heard of. It's a local, maybe it looks a bit low budget. And the other one is a big familiar brand that you've seen commercials on TV. They've told you how when you use that gas, It cleans the engine at the same time, so it's different to the other gases. And it looks clean, and the design's nice on the pylon, and the shop's got great lighting, and it looks like a safer place. And so you pull in, and they've got a nice wide entry point with big arrows leading up to the bowser. Now, in Australia, it's different. You can actually hop out of your car, and you can actually fill your own tank first before you pay. And then you go inside the store, there'll be nice lighting and a clear pathway with blocked out things that people can't drive over. And you walk in and then you can go past the newspapers and the milk and the chips and all the things in there. And you can pay for your fuel at the counter and then uh, you can leave and hop in your car and drive away. Yes. And now you continue on the journey. But I think a lot of the steps are similar to that online pathway. If we think about it, we've had a marketing event cause us to choose one over the other. Yes. We've had clear guidelines on what happens when we enter into the business. If we went in there and there weren't clear marked arrows, or you're not exactly sure where the bowser is, or if you get in there and it's padlocked, or it's got a spill all over it, or there's some seedy characters around... You might just drive, I've driven out of gas stations before where the vibe wasn't right or something wasn't happening and I just kept going and I'll find another one. And that's what people tend to do at any point in that funnel. It's really only after you've paid for the fuel, you have to go on and, oh, sorry, if you put it in the car, you'll go and pay for it in Australia. I know in the United States, that might be different. You actually have to pay first in some cases. Uh, I remember, well, I did anyway. And in, and in other countries, like uh, when I go to the Philippines, they actually fill the car for you. Great. You drive in and they fill the car for you and they wipe the windows. And like it used to be when I was a kid in Australia, in the uh, early 80s, you could actually get full service. Imagine that.
0: I had that job for a while. I was the guy that came out and checked your oil and cleaned your windshield. I think there's one state,
1: at least in the United States, where it's illegal for you to fill your own vehicle. Like, they still have mandatory service, but that's just a little snapshot. Down in Oregon. Right, okay. So, depending where you're at, there's sort of a real-life scenario where that is like the marketing and the steps, and then you continue on your journey. And now we just think about that from online. Can you walk us through a virtual online funnel, maybe one you've worked on in the past? Lost one you're working on now you don't have to name it but just give us an idea what would the steps look like so that we could perhaps create a checkbox to see if we have all of the things in place what would be Corey's minimum standard funnel requirements that would need to be satisfied if you were just going to build one from scratch
0: okay well it's a big question and there's a lot of it depends but i'll I'll give you a clear answer probably big enough for you to put together a training for our audience perhaps
1: (laughs) on this as (laughs) as a separate thing don't spoil things james yeah Idea to put it up at funneldojo.com, you know, Corey's minimum funnel checklist. But what would be some of the things in there at least?
0: Sure. I think your gas station analogy is great because you notice most intersections will have a gas station on each corner. It's not uncommon to drive up and see four different gas stations, four different brands, all of them with different prices of fuel. And you would think, well, everyone would be going to the cheapest gas station, but that's not what happens, right? Now, if you're on a desert road and there's no other choice, you're going to go pay you know, whatever they're charging. So when you set up your business online, if you're the only one, okay, that's fine. But chances are you're competing. So if I was going to set up a gas station across the street from someone who had great lighting and had you know, great signage and, and good service, I have to figure out what is it that's going to make people come to me? What's the need that these people have that they're not getting from this other gas station? So if you're putting up an online store e-commerce store, you're selling coaching, your first work is to figure out what are your customers need that they're not getting somewhere else? Can you find a gap? Can you find it? And it's usually an emotional need. Sometimes it's unspoken. Sometimes I don't even really know it's there. But if you dig deep enough and you start talking about that unfilled need in your first landing page, because that's what they're going to see, that's where you start to really become successful and break away from the pack. That's why the benefits of a deep dive survey, you start to talk to your customers, you're listening for what are their unfulfilled needs when they start the journey. So that's where I start. And I'm actually going to correct myself. The misconception people have is that your funnel starts on your landing page or your website. The fact is your funnel starts with the first message they see, which is more and more often a Facebook ad or a post on Instagram or a piece of content. And you want to make sure that that content leads directly at the start of their hero's journey. Right. You're sending them down the path and take that seriously. Think about those first messages, first impulses. And beauty of today's modern marketing is we can put different messages in front of different people to talk to them. And we've talked about this in past episodes. If you talk to everyone that came onto your car lot the same way, your sales would drop to nothing. But you talk to a soccer mom differently than you would talk to some guy who wants to, you know, to buy the same SUV for different purposes. So the answer is, understand what your customers are desperate for. And figure out what do you have that makes it work. And then it comes to strategy. Like, do you need to get them on your mailing list first and then build a relationship? Or are you actually trying to make the sale on the first visit? So if you've got an e-commerce store and you're driving people to your store, and you want to make the sale. The multiplier in all of this, the thing that makes is the persuasiveness of your copy, the messaging. Are you a really good salesperson? And James, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you had 20 salespeople in your dealership, you'd have two at the top that would outsell everyone else by a factor of 10. Am I right? Or some version of that people.
1: There was a couple of months in the first dealership that I became a salesperson at where I outsold every other salesperson in the month, like twice. There was right. six or seven of us. And so I, I sold more than six other salespeople combined. <laughs> and you should have seen that meeting with the boss. He was an ex-English soccer. He's a soccer coach. And uh, he was short and stocky and he came in and he absolutely destroyed them. This was like in my third month and he just couldn't believe it. This 23-year-old kid had come and wiped the floor with all these seasoned pros and he shredded them right in front of me. And then he walked off, like stormed off would be more appropriate, like slammed the door, stormed off. And then they all just looked at me with dagger eyes, like they're just going to kill me.
0: They loved you after that. Oh, it's like, it's But <laughs> my
1: boss liked me. I had two bosses. I'd like the boss of the new cars and the boss of the uh, used cars. And we called used cars pre-owned because that's a much nicer way to refer mm-hmm. to a used car. Sure. And they just took me under their wing and taught me everything about how to do it because they could see that encouragement. But I think the point here is, same probably with um, programmers, a good one is going to be not just 5% or 10% percent better it could be 500 percent better or it could be a thousand percent better like could be a factor of 10 so you want to look for that 80 20 in everything you know it's interesting we're having this conversation because for one of my clients at the moment they have a really great program and what i've encouraged them to do is to splinter out the different angles or pathways that people find them they have three main categories as it turns out of people who are buying their core program because it solves three quite different things and I've asked them to splinter out those three strands as a pathway to their program that leads to a page that talks about that thing. So they're effectively cloning their program into three sales pages. It's the exact back end delivery, but when they come through one of those three sales pages and then they come on board, they will actually be sent the thing that is relevant to one of those three segments. And their ad, of course, is going to target the exact specific relevant thing the person's looking for. It will land them on an exact specific page talking about that specific thing. And the funny thing is, you know, this really reminds me of when I cut my teeth online. If you go way back in 2005 or 2006, I was actually running the pay-per-click ads for the Mercedes-Benz dealership, bidding on words like Mercedes-Benz. Like, is <laughs> a long time ago. But then I started to realize about segmentation and I don't know if I was following Livingston, who was sort of originally paired up with Perry Marshall, mm-hmm. but I think that was like the precursor to the ask method, The actually the whole origin source. And I started running ads for Mercedes-Benz AMG C36, I think it was at the time, or C32, might have been the model. And then I would land them, I'll run an ad for that model, I'd land them on a specific page on our website that matched that exact term. They would see a model, the AMG C36, they would learn about it with a video. So video on a page was difficult back then. They would get bullet points and headlines because I'd been learning about copywriting. And then there'll be a call to action to book a test drive in an AMG C36. It was like super hyper relevant. We're talking about 15 years ago. And it's amazing how in 2020, people haven't figured out segmentation. But it really comes down, I think, to about being relevant. If you're not relevant, then you're nothing. And the reason I used the gas story... The story of the TV commercial that will talk about how the gas cleans the fuel is because I think the perception we might have is if we're looking at a low cost fuel provider is we probably expect it's going to have water in the petrol or ethanol or whatever or dirt, you know, you get dirt in the tank. It's going to run into the engine and then kaput. So I love that John Ruskin quote about it being unwise to pay too little. And you know, one of my yeah. kids is selling at the moment and I shared that quote with him because he's getting people querying low cost. Like they want the best deal. And the quote essentially says, yeah. look, it's unwise to pay too little. You should build a margin in for something to go wrong. If you're going to pay the lowest cost in that case, you might as yep. well add that margin back on and pay you know a little bit more to get the thing that actually works in the beginning. And so I think it's very critical what you said, that if there's two providers that it, fascinatingly, not everyone takes the lowest price and that is just spot on. Please don't take the position of the cheapest in the market. That's one of the reasons why I named my business super fast business, because I know people want cheap. They want good and they want fast and usually you can only pick two of those. And I decided not right. to be the cheapest supplier in the market. I'm definitely good, like high qualities there. That's what was behind brands like Silver Circle. I wanted a Mercedes Benz level mm-hmm. brand and that's just in my core values. I want to provide good fast is one of the differentiators. I want people to have results really quickly. Yeah. Why take two years to get a result punching through some templated system when I could customize the coaching for someone in real time and they get a result next week? Yeah. And I just got an email or a forum post update. My customer is doing cartwheels down the streets of their local town because they sold a $2,000 product in their cart abandonment sequence, which was the wow. first thing I told them to install. I said, please install this. So no matter what traffic's already coming to your site, at least you'll improve the conversions. And in the card abandonment sequence, and this is where I'm going to line all the points up. One of the questions is, you know, were you still interested in such and such? And they talk about the outcome and they got a reply to that and they got into a conversation and now the product became relevant. Because in the conversation, they were able to find out which one of the three things was the thing and then focus only on that. And it became hyper relevant. And then the purchase was made. And I actually sell that product for like $19 at superfastresults.com, just as a by the way. And it's included in Superfast Business Membership. But that paid for this person's private coaching with me in the forum. And the group calls I come to every week, it's paid for them for the next three months plus. So talk about a return on investment, and that will be the differentiator that I put into my marketing message. I'll talk about it on my podcast. I'll let anyone know who's a prospect what kind of return on investment other people have been getting with this product if they already have an existing sales pipeline and they're not following people up properly after they go to the sales page. I'm not talking about the cart page where, you you know, here's that link again. I'm talking about a proper 60-day follow-up sequence. That's That's what you have to do. You've got to be relevant. got to have that differentiator. So you're talking about this transformation. You're taking someone on a path from the very first interaction, which could be an ad or a referral, Mm -hmm. all the way through to multiple purchases over years and uh, you know repeats, upsells. So I guess it's probably critical that uh, you take an overview approach when it comes to things like not just design, but brand guidelines and theming and look and style, etc.
0: Yeah, we're looking at anything that will give you an advantage. And it's all about accelerating. Like, I know you have a background and you understand constraints. And so when you're coaching, you're looking for what's the thing that's blocking everything else and just get rid of that, right? Where's the most impact with the least amount of effort? Often I'm looking at it in the other side of the camera. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fascinatingly. That's right. Yeah. So when you look at a funnel, the thing that's going to do the job of selling, right, that thing, if you carefully engineer it and you're sensitive to the emotions of the person coming into your funnel and you write copy and you present messaging that's compelling and you show proof and you engineer it properly, that's what's going to allow you to get customers at a price you can afford, right? You're buying customers from Facebook. The better your funnel converts, the cheaper those customers are going to be, the more you can scale. So that's where 80% of your effort should go is getting a sales message in a funnel that does the job of turning a stranger into a customer. And if you get that figured out, sky's the limit for your business. If you don't have that figured out. It's kind of okay, you're probably not going to make it work on Facebook. And that's a situation a lot of people are in when they come to me. They want to do Facebook, but their funnel doesn't convert yet. So just follow the process, get the data. Where's the problem? Start fixing that funnel. And once it scales, it's like having a winning lottery ticket for many people. Like, honestly, if you're selling a high ticket product or you get an online business that grows and you do the work, you can create a seven, eight figure business, a multi million dollar business for yourself, which is we've seen it over and over again. But when you look at those, they do a great job of taking that customer on a journey, making them feel like this is the place for me. I trust you. Like That's where they put their skill or they hire the skill and they get that dialed in. So anyway, it's a big needle mover is getting that funnel to work. And if your funnel's not working, start looking for where am I missing the customer journey and where am I not relevant? Where am I not segmenting? Segmenting is huge superpower.
1: You're so right. It is the offer that converts. I've said this many times. That's the hardest part about online. The hardest part yeah. is getting your offer that converts. And the part where people spend the least time and effort or energy or money is on their copy. You know, it's very easy to run Facebook ads. We can go and set up a Facebook ad and spend five bucks a day right now and send it to a funnel that doesn't work. So where people are so focused on their paid campaign, they should step back. And that's why lately I've been really tuning people up to the concept of improving their sales copy because I look at so many sales pages that suck. Like there's no way I would buy from. And I don't think that even they would. It's like they're just vomiting something up that's very basic. And the biggest leaps in my own business in the last year was when I invested in better copy, better copy on the sales page, when I invested my own energy in writing better follow-up sequences Mm -hmm. and focusing more carefully on what content we have, even on our podcast, because that's definitely part of the journey for my customers. They're listening to episodes like this and learning and enjoying. Mm -hmm. And then some of them transition through to my offers or my partner's offers. So On that, Corey, you're over there at funneldojo.com. What can people learn from you if they've got the hang of this? They're keen to get the data. They have found out which points need to work. And it's most likely going to be somewhere in that conversion part. I imagine that's a big one. And they're hopefully working on their product mix that they could actually get it paid enough to reinvest in that front part, the traffic and conversion part. And now they're just mapping out their whole journey from start to finish, making sure they do that transformation, that it is solid, that it looks good, it flows well from the whole thing, even the using of the product. What can we go to beyond this?
0: Well, I've been thinking about this and there's two things that have to happen. You need to have clarity on what's the right move to make next. So if you're an entrepreneur and you've got a a funnel, you've got staff, you've got all these things you could be doing, let's get really clear on what you should be doing. Right. And I know the same thing you do with your clients like, okay, let's identify where's the biggest opportunity in your business. So that's the first step is what's the constraint? Do you have data? If you don't, how do we get it? It's giving them a system they can follow over and over and over again. And this is the part I've always struggled with. It's not very sexy. right? I'm not teaching, you know, put up this special lead magnet and make $10 million. But what I think is missing is people don't, it's a skill set to know how to scale a funnel or how to build a funnel. We don't learn that in school. And there are things you don't learn in most courses. So this is really about me showing all the little nuts and bolts, the details you're not going to get. And a process you can follow. Anytime your funnel stops working, you're going to know how to troubleshoot it, how to fix it, how to build a team around it, you know, and that's what I'm trying to create in the dojo It's just a place where people can go. I'll be in there live every week, just troubleshooting, critiquing, giving my best answers to real world funnel problems. That's what we're doing over there. And I'm really excited to just share that stuff and give people real answers based on what's working now. It's good. People do need need the help for sure. Yeah. And if you don't have to spend any money, like every week, I'm going to be breaking down funnels sharing those videos, that's all free. There's no charge for that. You can just follow those and get a ton of education and help you break through. That's really my mission here.
1: That's huge. You know, I saw a tweet from uh, one of my friends last night. It was Ryan Dice. And he said, am I the only business founder who was making more money when my business was small than I am now? And there was quite a few conversations, people chiming in. Pete Liar was there as well. And the outcome was that as you scale, things get more complex and the mistakes are bigger. That's one thing he said, it costs more when you make a bad move. Yep. And so you've got to be really careful with this scaling thing. I've actually chosen a reasonably small business compared to a lot of other people in my market, but I also have a very uncomplicated business and a great life. So that is deliberate. But in saying that, I'm actually getting help from you, Corey, with improving the transformation journey from the beginning parts. That conversion piece is what's stopped me from going deep on the paid traffic. So we've been building that right now. And I've loved the process. I love how you think. I've been enjoying your insights and your background. Even the people you've worked with before, they've told me that you're really good with the thinking and the ideas and the unique viewpoint. That's what makes your fuel different, <laughs> Corey, is you, Thank you. you clean the engine while we use it. <laughs> and then it's up to the business owner, how they're going to implement and if they want help with the implementation and uh, you know how far they want to go with it. So yeah. I just want to say thanks for coming along to this series. A quick recap, in 778, we talked about getting data. In 779, we talked about looking for the choke points or where you can actually get the most gains. And in 780, this episode, we've talked about putting it all together in a seamless journey, making sure you're different, getting every possible advantage you can And uh, of course, along the way in these three episodes, we've shared some fun personal stories from my past that uh, sometimes I think these might be the first time my audience have actually ever heard these, but they do make me smile because it's been such a long journey. That's really a point I want to make. If you listen to these podcasts, no matter where you're at, think this is a long game and whatever challenges or struggles you're going through now, it'll all be worth it if you keep at it. And if you're finding the hard part is you don't have an offer that converts and you're not being able to reinvest back into your business, that's very, very common. (laughs) I'm sure it's in the 90 something percentile. So work on your messaging, your copy, your look, your feel, your point of differentiation, where you're getting your customers. Like, Are you accessing the right market? Do you have the right message? Is your copy nice and tuned for that audience? Get on the phone, speak to prospects, speak to people who buy, speak to people who don't buy. If you possibly can do that work up front, it'll pay big dividends down the track. Corey from FunnelDojo.com, thank you so much for coming along and sharing in this series.
0: Always a pleasure, James. Thanks for having me.
1: I'm going to come up with some way to get you back and go deeper on another series down the track if you're open to it.
0: Always open to it. This is fun. Let's do it. Thanks, mate.
1: There you go. That's episode 780. We've put a full transcription up at superfastbusiness.com. If you know someone struggling with their scaling, please send them to this series. I appreciate you for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode where we're going to be talking about decoding superhuman, which will be pretty fun. Discover how to build your business super fast. Check out superfastbusiness.com.